Projector Yag, day 26. Mitzvah Kuf Nenhei, and that is the mitzvah to check for kosher fish, the simonim of a kosher fish. Once again, the Pasuk says, These are the species that one is allowed to eat from those things which live in the water. And therefore, according to the Rambam, there's a mitzvah to check the fish one wants to eat to make sure that it conforms to the simonim, the science for kosher fish brought in the Torah. The Ramban, we already learned in, regarding animals and it applies as well regarding fish, holds that that's just a prerequisite in order not to be over on the low tasse of not eating a non-kosher fish. And he doesn't count, count this as a mitzvah sase. What are the signs of a kosher fish? So the Torah says two things, anything which has a snapir or cascasis. A snapir, the Gemara explains, is something which it uses to swim with, swim with, which we'll call a fin. And the cascasis, he says, is the, the coating, like an arm around its body, which will be called scales. The halach is that every fish which has scales also have fins, but every fish which has a fin does not necessarily have a scale. Where do we need to find the scales? So if we find them anywhere in its body, we find two scales. It's a similar of a kosher fish. If we only find one, so the sefta says one has to find it either under its gills, under its tail, or under its fin. Even a kind of fish which grows scales when it's a grown fish, but the baby fish doesn't have scales, or a fish which loses its scales when it leaves the water, or osha kosher. The main point is that it's a species of fish which has scales, even if this particular specimen doesn't have scales right now. The reason for this mitzvah, like all the mitzvahs regarding food, the Chinuch explains, because the Torah defines those fish which are healthy or safe for people to eat. And this mitzvah applies at any time and place, both to men and to ladies, and someone who's over in it and does not check the fish he eats to make sure that it's kosher. Even if it finds it's found out later on that it was kosher, but he never checked it, and therefore he was mevatel, this mitzvah saseh. Mitzvah Kof Nelvav, that's a loitah say, not to eat a non-kosher fish. The Pasuk says about a non-kosher fish, Mipsaram Loisechelu, one should not eat from their flesh. And therefore any fish which doesn't have both fins and scales is in the category of a non-kosher fish which cannot be eaten. Again, the reason for all the mitzvahs regarding food is because the Torah deemed them unhealthy for a person. According to the Chinuch. And this mitzvah applies in any time and place, both to men and ladies, and someone who's over in it and does eat an agosha fish. If he eats a kazais, he gets malchus. If he's a bemezid, like every mitzvah like say, which involves an action. Mitzvah kufnan zayin is not to eat tame birds and kosher birds. The pasuk says, These are the kinds of species of birds which cannot be eaten. Here also, we understand the Torah defines those things which are not good for a person and that's why the Torah forbids them. Unlike the animals and the fish, when the Torah talks about the birds, the Torah does not give us simonim, signs to determine what's a kosher bird. Rather, the Torah lists the all species of non-kosher birds, there are only 24 of them, and therefore it's assumed that if someone knows the birds and he knows which are the non-kosher species of birds, then any other bird would be mutter to eat, which is what the Torah does, doesn't have to give us simonim, how to define a kosher bird. However, since not everybody is familiar with all the species of birds or what's included 
in the varieties of birds mentioned by the Torah. do give us and they say any predatory bird, which is a doris that attacks other birds, there's a kind of one of the species of tommy birds. And the Khinuf defines a doris as something which uses its talons to uh, attack another bird. And he has a certain heiress, which uh, call that some kind of poison, whatever it may be, which he injects into other birds when he pierces their skin with his talons. Besides for that, Chachomim lists three simonim, three signs of a kosher bird. And that is, if it has an etzba yisera, which means when the toes of the bird has one of them is longer than the other one, or the other ones, as well as it has a zephek, which means at the end of its esophagus, there's like a, a the crop where the food is all stored. And the kurkobanichlef, which means the stomach which grinds the food, has a second layer of skin which can be peeled off the inner in layer which is the wall of the stomach. When it has these shizimonim, then it's kosher. When it, and therefore, to, with these, together with the fact that it's not a doris, it's not a predator, would be enough to rely on to be a, a matter to allow a person to eat any such kind of bird. Now, out of these four simonim of kosher birds, again, the extra finger on the foot, it has a zephek, the kurkaban can be, the outer skin can be peeled off, and it's not a doris, it's not a predator. If it has all four, it's for sure a kosher. Even if it has all three, which means that all three bodily simonim, and we don't know if it's a predator or not, but the, the three simonim themselves would be enough to allow a person to eat it because we don't have a bird which has all these three simonim and will also be a predator. However, if it only has two of the other simonim, then it's very likely to be a non-kosher bird and a person has to know what species it is. If it only has one of these three simonim on its body and it's not a predatory bird, then one has to know that it's not within the species of Oirev because there are those kinds of Oirev which have only one of the three simonim and uh, the Oirev, the raven, is not a kosher bird. But if I know it's not within the raven family, then that kind of a bird will be kosher as well. If it has none of these three simonim, but we know it doesn't attack other birds, it's not a predator, so then the only two birds on the list which would fall into the category and be non-kosher are the perist and the osnia. And the Gemara says since these birds are rarely found in places of human habitation, therefore one would be allowed to eat a bird without any of the three simonim as long as he knows it's not a doris. There were those who held that maybe today things are different and these birds are found in places of human habitation. The Khinuf's opinion is that being as the nature of these birds to avoid people, nothing has changed. And today as well, if one finds such a bird in a place where people live, one doesn't have to be worried that it's a non-kosher bird. Halacha also is that if a person is a mosaurus, which means a tradition passed down about a certain species of bird, that it's kosher, he's allowed to eat it. And this mitzvah, or this issue of not eating non-kosher birds, applies in any time and place, both to men and to ladies. And if one did, eat a gazayis of a non-kosher bird, the mezid, he would be chayv malkus, like any lotus which has an action, and b'shoge, he would be potter. Mitzvah kuftan ches, and that is the mitzvah to check 
the simanim of kasha locusts. Again, this will only be according to the Rambam, who holds as a mitzvah to check each species of kosher animal to make sure that it's, it's kosher. The Torah allows a person to eat four categories of locusts. If they're called a chagov or a chargol or a salam or an arbe. And one has to know and recognize which species of locust it is and what its name is. The simonim that we have for a kosher locust, the Torah tells us, there are four signs of a kosher locust. And that is, it has four wings which cover most of its body. It has four feet. It has two legs which help it jump. And some hold that also we have to know that its name is Chagov. It's called the locust. Today, only those people have a Messiah, have a tradition that which locusts are kosher, they don't have to eat them. Otherwise, the Minag is not to eat locusts. And this mitzvah applies in any place and time to men and to ladies. And someone who eats logs without checking it has been without all this mitzvah sasseh. Mitzvah kuf nun tas. And there is a mitzvah that the eight shrotzen that the Torah enumerates are matame, make a person impure. The positive says, These are the species which make a person tame. Now the Chinuch here gives a general haktame to all the mitzvahs regarding tame and tairah. Ritual purity or impurity, and it says like this. The first is we understand that no person understands the Chachm of Hashem until its limits. I feel the Moshe Rabbeinu, the Chazal say about him that out of the 50 levels, gates of understanding, only 49 were revealed to Moshe. Sending Shleim Melech, who is considered the wisest of all men, says about himself, Almighty Echkema, I thought about myself, I would reach the full measure of wisdom of the Torah. And I see it's still way beyond me. And therefore, without a doubt, everyone understands Hashem, as the source of all wisdom, knows more than any person could possibly presume to know. And therefore, Hashem, again, the source of all wisdom, who gives us instruction, obviously had in mind what's best for us and understood what's best for us. And therefore, when he managed to understand some of the meaning or the reason for a mitzvah, we're happy with that. But when we don't understand, because of our limited understanding, our limited knowledge, why Hashem was mitzvah something, then we have to attribute it to Hashem's superior knowledge and intelligence of what's good for us. And that's why He's giving us the commandment. And that's what the Gemara says, we don't know the reason for all the mitzvahs. And the Torah doesn't specify the reason for all the mitzvahs, the Gemara there says, because in those two cases, where the Torah did specify the reason for the mitzvah, regarding the mitzvah of a king that he can't amass more wealth or more horses or more wives than he needs. So, because there was a reason given in the Torah, that Shlomo Melech, one of the greatest kings, came to the misunderstanding or the mistake of thinking that he could safely disobey the Torah because the reason of the Torah didn't apply to him. And therefore, he thought he would be able to amass money and women and horses, and it actually led to his undoing. If that's the case, really, one can ask what's the reason at all to look for reasons for the mitzvahs, when we will always have the option of saying that Hashem's intelligence and knowledge is more than ours, and therefore how do we presume to have reasons for mitzvahs? Mechanech explains himself, and he says that I'm recording things which are already brought 
what is already mentioned in Chazal as partial reasons for the mitzvahs. And even when a person does find some kind of explanation, he knows that it's only like somebody who's looking through between the cracks to see a little ray of light as much as he could. And he knows that there's much more depth and meaning in Kedusha in the mitzvahs than which a person is not aware of. Now, after this introduction, that we understand that Hashem is aware of what's good for us and He wants to do what's good for us. So then, when it comes to those mitzvahs regarding Tumah and Tyre, we can't ask any questions because we're not aware of exactly the effects that Tumah and Tyre have. And the Chinook gives an example. He says, it could be that Tumah and Tyre doesn't affect the person physically, but it affects his nefesh, it affects his spiritual side, his neshama, that makes it more tame, which means it makes it more sealed, hidden, and therefore a person doesn't have the same access to wisdom or to understanding or to kedusha that he would have when he would be tar. And even though we talk about physical things which cause the tumor, they can also provide or cause a spiritual effect. Because the Chinuch explains, the nefesh, which means the spiritual aspect of a person, is connected to his body. And therefore, being as people, we don't understand the nature of the neshama, how it works, what would cure it, what would cause it to become sick. So we definitely can't understand exactly how the process of Tumah and Tyre works. It's similar to a doctor who's unable to heal a sickness until he understands what the sickness is and how it affects the person. Right. And therefore, when it comes to matters of spiritual effects, such as impurity tumor, we have to assume that HaKadosh Baruch who understands the working of the neshama, of the spiritual aspect of a person better, and instructed us, he understands why this would be harmful to the neshama and why we should avoid it. The mitzvah, the eight shorts in which are matameh, are only matameh when they're dead. The Pasuk says, HaNagayah mitzvah, not when they're still alive. Whereas other reptiles, which are not included in the Shemana Shratim, such as the snake, are not matameh even when they're dead. What level of tumor are they? They have a din of an avatuma, which means that if a person touches them, he will become tome, or if they touch kalim, utensils, they will make the utensils tome as well. The din of the sherets is that it's only matame with touch, not if a person carries it, if it's wrapped up in something else. And the person who touches it is tome himself, but he's not sufficiently tome to matame the clothing he's wearing as well. The size of a sherat, the shear is a hadasha, the size of a grain of barley, because there are shots in which, when they're born, are that small. And therefore, once that's a shear of tumuf of a sherat, even if a person has that size of a much bigger sherat, but uh, it will also make him tummy. Parts of a sherat, if an organ detached from a sherat, or the blood of a sherat, all these things that we might discuss with Tomei as well. And now the halach is that a person who has become Tomei is not allowed to go into Vesemigdash or eat Truma or eat meat of Kodshim until he comes back to her again. The process of Tyra becoming pure after contact with the Sheretz is the person has to be Tovel, has to immerse himself in a mikveh. And after he's gone to the mikveh, he is also to eat until the end of that day. And once the sun has set, then he's with Qatar, and then he can once again go to the Besamekdash, 
or eats truma or kochim. Now, this counts as the fast at any time, in any place, to a man and to a woman, which means if a person touches the sheriff, he will become tame. And going to a mikveh can purify a person from tame sheriff. But today, since we are tame for other reasons as well, and we are unable to maintain a standard of tyra, so then it's not really practical today, the mitzvah of tame shratim. And that is also because there's no issue to become tame. The issue is if a person becomes Tomei, then it would be also for him to go into Besamekdash or to eat food which is Kaddish. Nevertheless, there's definitely an advantage to remaining Tahar, because as the Khinach said previously, if it does affect the person's Neshama being in a state of Tomei, then as much as a person can avoid that, obviously it's good for him. Here also we have an argument, the Rambam and the Ramban. The Rambam counts each type of Tomei, as a separate mitzvah. The Ramban says there's one general din regarding the halach of a person who's Tameh. And then the Torah gives us different examples of kinds of Tumah. But not each kind of Tumah according to Ramban is a separate mitzvah. It's just an example of Tumah. And then the, the mitzvah of what a Tameh person has to do applies equally regardless of the type of Tumah he has. It's a similar case according to Ramban of the mitzvah that was not allowed to sacrifice a blemished animal, a Baal and the Mizbech. Now the Torah will go through a whole list of different ailments or different problems the animal might have which could render it a Baal But not each one is a mitzvah in its own right. And therefore, same thing according to Rabban, not every kind of tumor is a mitzvah in its own right. Mitzvah Kuf Samech and that is the mitzvah of Tumas Oichlim which means that food can become Tameh. The Pasuk says, Any kind of food which could be eaten, which water has come into contact with it, then it can become Tameh. And same thing here, it's a myth of Tumah Vatara, and therefore the Chinuch repeats what he said previously, that we don't venture to understand myths which affect a person's spiritual Nashama. Now, the Chazal learned from this Pasuk that any kind of food which can be eaten by a person can become tame, but a food which cannot be eaten by people, let's say, could only be eaten by animals, would not become tame. As well as that, it has to be detached from the ground. If it's still connected to the ground, it can't become tame. There is another din as well, and that is food cannot become tame until it's come into contact with water, and once it's been detached from the ground and come into contact with water, it's called Mukhshar. It's prepared to receive Tumah if something now would be Tameh and touch it. Even as Xeris HaKosov, the Chinuch suggests a reason for that. And that is that something that, which is not fully prepared, hasn't completed its development, is not yet in the Halacha of uh, which we might apply to food. So for example, Trumas and Maestris, which need to be separated from food. But only once it's reached Kumaya Malachta, that it's reached, it's finished all the stages of uh, the agricultural process which need to be done. Same thing, Khal is only Khal once the dough has already been made. And therefore, we also suggest that maybe Tumma can only be Khal, can only affect something which is already ready, and therefore it's already been washed with a liquid and is ready to eat. Why? Because the nature of people is to wash fruit and vegetables before they eat them from the sand or from the dust, whatever might be on them. And therefore, before they've been before they're prepared to eat, they aren't considered finished yet. 
and therefore the halacha is that this din that they have to come into contact with water is only in a case where the owner was happy about that. If it was something which was against his wishes, then the fact that it came into water balkorchi, we didn't want, wouldn't be enough to make it roi able to recover to. Therefore, the Mishnah distinguishes between in a rainy day, if a person leans a board against the wall, and the rainwater which comes off it, if he wanted the board to be there to be washed by the rain, then he wants the rain to come into the board, it would be considered something which he wanted, and therefore be right a couple of Whereas if he just did it to protect the wall that it shouldn't get wet or damp from the rain, then he doesn't really want the rainwater, and if that's the case, it wouldn't be water which is moksha a couple of this din of liquids, Chazal extended to other liquids as well as water. There are seven liquids which, if they come into contact with the food, will make it right to Makabal Tumma. And those are water, dew, oil, milk, blood, wine, and honey. This din of Tumas Eichlin will apply any time and place, both for men and for ladies, that food can come become Tame in these circumstances. But once again, today when we aren't on the level to keep all the restrictions of Tumah and Taira, so it doesn't really make a difference to us because we Tumah and therefore we aren't able to maintain a standard of Taira for the food that we eat. In Eretz Yisrael, there were people who tried to live up to that standard of only eating Chulin, which was regular food, which was Tahar. But that's not a Chiyuv today. And once again, according to the Rambam, this is considered a mitzvah in its own right, according to the Ramban, this is another category of Tomantara, which is not called its own mitzvah.